Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you for making us a part of your Monday. We greatly appreciate it. You know what I got a powerful appetite for all of a sudden? More cowbell. French fries. French fries. Why was it but that poutine conversation we yeah, had? Yeah, we were talking about you know fry sauce and all that. Well, we're going to be at... Uh, I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Gordon... Uh, we're going to be at Marley's Gourmet Sliders coming up on Wednesday. They have ah, those shoestring French fries that uh, I'm sure will more than satisfy your hunger. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. 3561 West, 114 South. They're in South Jordan. Their new location, Marley's Gourmet Sliders. But they're, they're, they're famous for their sliders, but their fries are incredible. Oh, and their yeah, breakfast is really good, of, oh, too. They've got all kinds of good stuff. Here. That's a nice location out there yeah. as well. Brand new and uh, very nice. So excited to be out there on Wednesday. Talon's not teching that thing, is he? Uh, let's see here. No, we got Zach. Okay. They can't afford his appetite. No, they, they can't. Dallin's got quite the rep over there. It's almost like if he were checking that remote, I mean, he'd have to put away a bunch of food because everybody would just be there really to ah. to to witness. Yeah, they ought to name something on their menu after him, really. You know, it's funny they, that uh, that you say that because there might be a, a, something in the works mm. where we maybe get to create some yeah. some sliders. I don't know. I don't want to jinx it because that could be really, really cool, but we might be able to... Sounds good to me. We Can we call it the... Gordon's Ketchup and Mayo Slider? Not Fry Sauce. That in the title? Not Fry <laughs> Sauce? The Not Fry Sauce Burger. Ketchup and Mayo. <laughs> Sorry. But not, uh, See, I uh, like, not Fry I Sauce. I like Fry Sauce, but it's, it takes on a different f- flavor and life, really, when you have mayo and ketchup separate. All right, let's get down to business here, Gordon. All let's, right, you uh, mean Jimmer going to the Warriors? You want to talk about it? Uh, we can talk about that. I, I was going to reset the big jazz news uh, over the weekend. Tony Jones of The Athletic has been very busy, as he always is. Uh, Tony, a great follow, at T. Jones, uh, the NBA on Twitter. Of course, read his stuff at The Athletic. But Tony uh, reporting that there is uh, uh, the, the jazz uh, – to, Tobias Harris prefers the Utah Jazz, and the Utah Jazz have preferences for uh, for Tobias Harris as well. Uh, Tony also added that uh, that they might be behind Brooklyn in his preference, uh, I guess, scale. But there is definitely mutual interest out there, and that's something, Gordon, that you've been hearing for a while now. Yes, it is, and whether it can actually happen at this point in time is is um, uh, I think a longer shot. But uh, it's interesting that both sides are interested in each other. And, uh, boy, that would be something if the Jazz could pull that one off. He's a, he's a player that's bounced around a little bit, Gordon, but had a career year last year with the Clippers in Philadelphia. 20 and 8. I mean, that ain't bad. And he shoots 40% from three. Now, the Jazz would have to get really creative to make this work. Frankly, they'd have to, and this is just one scenario, but they'd have to find a home for Tony Bradley. They'd have to find a home for Dante Exum. And uh, they would have to renounce the rights to Derek Favors and Howell Neto. And then conceivably, they could get close to enough money possibly to land him. But he would have to pass up more money in Philadelphia and an extra year to take what would he would have to believe would be a better fit for him professionally. Like I said, that's got to be a long shot. But 
the question then becomes, if you could have a starting lineup of Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Tobias Harris, and, uh, and, uh, and Joe Rudy Gobert, uh, you know, is that I, – I, let me ask it this way. Would you prefer to have four really strong players in your starting lineup, four stars really, and then have a thin bench? Or would you rather have it talent spread out a little bit? I don't know what the Jazz could do to fill out the roster in order to strengthen that bench. Still got Royce O'Neal, still got George Niang. But do you like the idea of that? An all-star lineup of starters and then a steep drop-off from there. Yes. The NBA is a top-end talent league. Those are the players that drive the most successful teams. And they're the players that spend the most time on the floor. So, you know, fit comes into play here. And I I think if uh, Tavias is interested in the Jazz, which uh, Tony reported that he is, and and you certainly have reported that as well, I can understand why, because I think he would would be a really good fit for exactly what the Jazz need. And so, of course, he and and Tony uh, reported that the other one that might be interested is Bobby Portis. Of course, those guys would have interest in the Jazz. They'd plug right in and be ready-made for exactly what the Jazz need. And right now, as it stands, Gordon, and you've written this, and I agree with you, the Jazz should have enough firepower to move into the Western Conference contending role. And if you could add another all-star caliber player to that, you know, I think you have to you have to certainly explore that opportunity. But I think if it's actually out there, you got to jump at that. I agree with that completely. Although some are concerned about the uh, the uh, effects on the bench that I talked about earlier, but I think it would be worth it, and the Jazz would have to find a way to make all that come together. But uh, it's kind of exciting, really. And even though I don't think it'll happen. Well, I certainly think that Justin Zanuck has said enough after the draft the other night that they're going to be aggressive with their options. And maybe those options end up being picking up Derek Favors, Derek Favors' contract and bringing him back uh, using that 4.7 of mid-level you've got to try and round out the roster, and that's the best the Jazz can do. But they're going to be aggressive in exploring what else is out there. Maybe it's a can't-miss kind of situation. There's no there's no bad downside to this whole thing because I think you add Mike Conley into the equation, then a Derek Favors is going to benefit from that and could become more valuable than he was last year. I think he would be more valuable than he, he was last year. Just but if for, you had Tobias Harris, Jake, uh, I, I think uh, Quinn Snyder, what Quinn Snyder could do with that starting lineup would be magical. Well, then you have four shooters in your starting lineup. Uh-oh, DJ? Yeah, too many shots to go around. But But think of what that does for Rudy Gobert's role game. You know, yeah. no longer can you sag another defender down there to take away the role from from Rudy Gobert. No longer can you go under those screens, and uh, because Mike Conley has the ability to pull up at any time and drain so drain those shots. We saw George Hill do it so much when he was here. Mike Conley has the very same ability. Yeah. And then, are you uh, Gordon? If you're drawing up a defense, you leaving Donovan Mitchell? No. And then all of a sudden that takes the pressure off of Joe Ingles as well. And I think at times uh, the, the Joe was asked to do a little too much. So and if they he, wouldn't have to lose Joe. In this, uh, in this scenario, they wouldn't. Now, if they found a, somewhere for, for Joe's contract, then they probably wouldn't have to move on from Tony Bradley or Dante Exum. But at this point, you'd have to pick who's more valuable to you. Make, you make a great point, Jake. The Jazz would then have four shooters on the floor. 
And then, you know, the, the offense that we're used to seeing where uh, Quinn Snyder has to manufacture offense, you know, all of a sudden it's a little different. And the Jazz could play a little bit more freely. And we could see what Donovan Mitchell could do with space. Can you imagine Donovan having room to get to the basket? Oh, yeah. As opposed to beating his guy and then uh-huh. having two guys right behind him? We talked about that a lot last season. That would be, if not the strongest starting lineup in the league, one of them for sure, one of the top ones. That would be exciting. And I don't know, you might have the Jazz might have to sign some dude with six syllables in his last name. You know, from some foreign league. So, well, okay, I see what you're saying. Are but you- they, I mean, why would the Jazz go out of their way to get three second round draft picks? Why would they pay two million dollars from the dude from Yale? Which is what uh, Eric Woodyard reported when they bought the 58th pick. It cost two million bucks. That doesn't that sound like a lot? That does sound like a lot. So are, are they? Is this a, a precursor that they are going to continue to be aggressive and have uh, uh, roster spots? That they're planning they'll they'll need the bodies. Yeah, I think there's something to that. Now things change, and and the problem with these types of of discussions, as we mentioned earlier when we were talking about this in the show, it's it's not totally up to the Jazz. I mean, there are a number of dominoes that have to fall for this even to be a possibility. I mean, well, even if it's not this specific case, it, it could be something similar. But you know what I that. mean? It, it has to be out there. And what kind of offseason will this be? We had uh, Keith Smith on with us last week. Uh, not Kevin, but Keith, uh, who, who joined us and, and gave us some insight. And I, I thought, and it's been running on our promo, I thought what he said was incredibly interesting, that 40% of the league are free agents, and a lot of these teams with cap space are going to go for the big fish. Yeah. So if these teams all of a sudden are, are throwing around all these max deals, what happens to the next tier of free agents, and where does their market value go? Yeah, that, then it's not, the their salaries will not necessarily reflect their abilities it will reflect whatever the market can hold at that point right so and in in this conversation in this circumstance we're not talking about tobias harris necessarily but could we be talking about bobby portis who's a restricted free agent from from washington and if they're going to try and break down what they've got going on maybe they don't want him back and what's the market for him like out there especially if teams like the clippers and the lakers and the nets and the knicks all spend all of their money on the top end free agents right or if you're if you look at what the the is coming out of New York as far as the Knicks go, that they're not going to pull an Amari Stoudemire again. That if they don't get the truly top top guys, they're more than willing to go through another tanking season, and they're not going to overpay for, you know, moderate free agents. So then all of a sudden, you know, there's a team with salary cap that's not going to be spending. And if, if Brooklyn goes for Tobias Harris and Kyrie Irving and you know Al Horford moves to Dallas and all these teams start really maxing out these guys with these huge deals, then where does that leave your second, third, fourth tier free agents? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting, man. And anytime, even though I've been hearing this for quite some time, as I've said on the air, uh, anytime I hear a player say that he's interested in going here, there, or the other, it makes you wonder, are they using that as leverage? Well, the answer to that is assuredly yes. They're playing the game. They and, are playing and, the game. And, you know. But you also have to be willing to do it if you're going to threaten it. Right? Do you? Oh, I think so. And if you're, by the way, if you're Tobias Harris, 
yeah, of course you're going to, you're going to point out when there's some interest out there, you know, of, of course you're going to do that because he's in a, he is in a great, great spot. He's in the perfect spot. If he doesn't get maxed out by Philadelphia, he can pick where he is the best fit. He can pick where he wants to go. He can pick who he plays with. And likely he can sign a max deal with another team out there, which doesn't give him the fifth year, but certainly is plenty lucrative. You know what this reminds me of? A good friend of mine. He had been dating his girlfriend for a long, long time. And he wasn't as bad as like Lloyd you know, where it was just going on and on and on and on and on. Not a decade plus. Yeah, forever. But he'd been dating her a long time. Well, I said to him, hey, you going to ask her to get married? or We'll wait and see. Next thing I know, she's getting asked out by someone else, and that's all it took to prompt him to pop the question. Oh, a little competition? A little competition. Really? And all of a sudden, he was ready to close the deal. He had a ring and everything. He was ready to roll. And they've been married for like 40-some years now. Okay, let me ask you this. Was that her orchestrating something to light a fire? I don't know. That's a great question. I've never asked it. Maybe I, you know, we're probably past the... The point of having to worry about that sort of you thing. You can you can ask that, but question. he wouldn't ask her to marry him until all of a sudden there's a little bit of competition, and suddenly the jealousy factor kicks in, and then he's buying a ring. Well, I mean that works in the NBA and free agency too, right? It does. Speaking of uh, free agency, it came out today that uh, Jimmer Fredette is going to uh, go play summer league for the Golden State Warriors and possibly be in camp. Another with splash Golden brother. State. You think another play is that it's going to be the third splash brother? I think this is really great news, actually, for Jimmer Fredette and his many fans that listen to this show. Do you think it's going to lead to anything? That's the question. I don't know because this is why I think there's a. It's almost like an undrafted free agent, right? Where you kind of get to, to pick your spot where you might make it. Look, Golden State is going to be capped out. They're not going to have a whole lot of. They're not going to have a whole lot of money to go out there and round out their roster. And they're short on players. I mean, we we saw it in the finals how yeah. how much they lack depth with all their injuries, and uh, Jimmer Fredette might be going to a situation where he can play his way onto that roster because he can go come in at that veteran minimum, and he could possibly play a role for Golden State. I wouldn't expect him to be a, a true, you know, real rotational guy necessarily, but could he make that roster because they need a player just like him? Sure. Seems like his skill set would fit into what they do over there a little bit. I don't know. Jimmer would just have to be efficient in shooting. And uh, whether he can be or not, I mean, we've been asking that question for, what, the better part of a decade now. I wonder if Jimmer, I, I think one thing with Jimmer where he needs to find a way to be effective without being your prototy- you know, your, your stereotypical Jimmer for debt. Holding the ball, having the ball in his hands the whole time. I think that that has been something that has affected his career. Now, positively, overseas, where you know he's a big deal over there in China and is making a fine living. But I, I think the truth today has been the truth his whole career. An NBA team is just not going to give him the keys to the car and yeah. say, go be Jimmer Fredette. So he has to figure out a way, one, to be effective on defense, and two, to fit into an offensive scheme where he's not dribbling the ball the whole time. And that's why, for him being as good a shooter as he is, he's got to be able to catch and shoot. Has to. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Has to be able to stand in the corner 
and make that corner three when it comes that to him. Does not sound like something he would be capable of. You doing. would think so, but I, I would have thought that for a while now, and, yeah. and I'm sure you've heard this too, Gordon, but I've heard from a number of different uh, you know NBA uh, people out there that are kind of be in the know. The rap on him was he wasn't really – willing to adjust his game and that that sounds kind of negative because I actually don't blame him all that much because being Jimmer is what made him great I mean that was that was his game doing that that's what made him extraordinary and not just a guy but I think if he's going to make it in the NBA he's just a guy in the NBA that's got to be his role he's not he's not going to be focused on he needs to figure out a way to be a guy isn't that interesting that at the college level he was the equal of Kawhi Leonard, if not better. And well, one you, player of the year over him, yeah. Oh, and then you get in a situation in the NBA, and he just hasn't been able to stick. Well, Kawhi had a couple of things on Jimmer, and it plays into this conversation. One, he had the NBA size to begin with. But two, he, had, he adjusted his game. If he would have just tried to be a big man at the NBA level, we wouldn't be talking about this. Yeah, I mean, he might still be in the league, maybe. But he evolved into be a dynamic wing. When you combine his measurables and his athleticism with the ability to play outside in right. and improve his ball handling like he did, yeah. I mean, now he's he's a LeBron James type where he can do everything. Not that their games are, are 100% comparable, but you can guard any position. You know, you can win with the ball in your hands. You can win uh, uh, working off another player. I mean, there's nothing that Kawhi can't do. You affect the game defensively. You know, Jimmer was going to have a tough time based on his size, but he did never found a role that fit him in the NBA. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens during the summer league. You know, I have a feeling he's going to shoot a lot. Well, it's the types of shots that I'm going to be interested to see. Pay attention when he's in Vegas. What kind of shots is he getting? Because you know what? I, I wouldn't put it past Jimmer to go down there and be able to really, I don't know if dominate's the right word, but he's really before work players teams. over in the summer, oh, yeah. you know, and, and really look good. But I'm sure coaches are looking at what, what style is he playing? Is he not just beating an undrafted guy from Ball State off the dribble and, and having a big game? Or is he fitting in with teammates and playing a role? Exactly. I'd pull him aside if I were a coach. I'd say, hey, we, oh, let's not worry about winning this game, all right? You could probably go over and out and score 30 and take over this game. I want to worry, worry about what you're going to do with the big boy team. Show me how you can go out there and play a role and where you'd fit on the Golden State Warriors. But as far as opportunity goes, I think this is a really good one. Yeah, seems like it. He's they're, running out of time. And they're going to have to fill out the roster. Golden State is. And they're going to have the mentality where they still want to win. So maybe that roster spot will go to a guy like Jimmer who they think can, can come in and help and not somebody they're looking to develop. So let's put uh, some incriminating audio on the line. Oh, boy. Not for me, for you two. Wait, how? okay. Lisa's pet name for me is Bowler. We've heard this story a hundred times. Let's move on. Austin That's Wilson. a good story. I don't think I can top that. Will Jimmer Fredette be on the Warriors roster in February? No. Jake? No. Oh, okay. Well, then we don't have any bet. I thought you might take the opposite side. Will he be on the Warriors G League affiliation in February? No, because if that happens, he'll be back in China. Yeah, right? he'll go back to China and play for, for significantly more money. Shanghai? I, I think he has a really good opportunity. I hope he makes it. I think he has a better chance of making it with Golden State than he did with Phoenix. So, But to, to predict it, 
I, I'm not going to go down that road. What My you, wife's pet name for me is Tony. What uh, What do you think about that? Will it be on Golden State roster in, in I, February? I thought I thought Jimmer would have an NBA career, and uh, I at this point in time, I just it's 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 hard to find the faith in it. Yeah, it's it's tough to yeah. it's tough to bet on it. Mm-hmm. If he were, I I've said this for a long time. If he were six four, it would have made a big difference. Yeah, probably would have. Because then maybe you can get away with him not guarding point guards. It's tough to hide. It's tough to hide a six foot guy out there, Gordon. It just is. They can't really switch anything. There's only one position they can really guard, and that's the most athletic position on the floor. It is. So if you can't stay in front of that guy, you know it's it's a little bit different than um, it's a little bit different than hiding Kyle Korver. You, oh, can, you can hide Kyle Corbett. He, he hasn't had opportunities over long stretches to get time on the floor, but when he has been on the floor, it's not like he's knocked anybody's socks off either. Well, and that's the thing. He's not going to get long stretches. He has to he has to figure that's, – that's what I'm saying. He has to figure out how to make an impact on the game different than he's, he's done throughout his entire career. Yeah. Because yeah. even when he's going in, it's not going to be Jimmer Ball. It's just not. It is fascinating, though, the Warriors. That's the component to it that is kind of interesting. We'll see. We'll Maybe see Steve happens. Kerr can find a role for him. Well, they're going to need scoring because they're going to be without Clay Thompson and, and Kevin Durant. Yep. So maybe that's, he's got that going for him. I mean, Steph Curry's going to have to score 40 next year, 40 a game, if Golden State is going to contend. But like, like I said, I think this is a very good opportunity for him, better than the Suns. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, because the Suns, what are they going to do with a thirty-year-old, uh, you, you know, guy trying to make it back into the league? Yeah, who's getting in the way of Devin Booker? Right, getting his shots up. Oh man, see that game was was evident of what I'm talking about, though. He went yeah. out there, and I I know he got probably caught up in the crowd reaction and all that, but it's it's not Jimmer time anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was evident. Evident. Mm-hmm. Sorry, BYU fans. All right, we want to remind you uh, about our friends at uh, Zero Res. Spring cleaning is here. It's way easier when you call Zero Res. Schedule your carpet cleaning today. Get your fourth room cleaned for free. Minimum supply schedule with Zero Res, 801-288-9376. Wayne Cook, he uh, covers the sidelines for UCLA football, is going to join us coming up next. Forced, uh, former uh, quarterback at UCLA as well. Yeah, he's always very eloquent. Hey, Austin, by the way, are you rooting against Michigan in the College World Series? <laughs> yeah, it's like, am I rooting for Satan? No. I suppose Jakey would fit into that. Oh, I'm rooting against Michigan with all my heart. Do you see what my notebook cover looks like there? Does that look like Michigan to you? <laughs> no. Looks like Michigan State to me. Which is anti-Michigan. Poor Tony. Everyone's yeah, plus, rooting against this team. Plus, Adrian Leiser's first cousin, Ethan Paul. Is the star hitter for Vanderbilt right yeah, now? Yeah, even oh, more reason wow. to to cheer. So, are you Team Vandy. Tony or Team Adrian? Come on. Well, uh, Vandy's down two nothing at this point. Just well, right where they want him. That's really too bad. Way to way to point that out, Gordon. Thanks a lot. I wouldn't have even noticed the score of that game it's if you had first inning. Yeah, it's the first inning. They okay. play seventeen. Have faith in Vanderbilt, and have faith in the Wolverines choking it away. I know I do. <laughs> the Wolverines. All right, stay tuned. We're going to talk to Wayne Cook coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you about the Summer League 3-on-3. Three three. Get your crew together and show us what you've got. Visit 1280thezone.com to enter to win a free entry for your team in the 2019 Salt Lake City Summer League 3-on-3 three three Tournament. This year's uh, tourney takes place July 1st, and there's a spot for everyone. Kids, adults, male, female, competitive, or just for fun, enter today. That's your Summer League 3-on-3. We're going to talk to Wayne Cook coming up here momentarily, Gordon, as we continue to preview the major opponents for all the college football teams along the Wasatch Front. Never too early to get fired up about college football, huh? No, and uh, you know all the 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 preseason hype surrounding uh, Utah and their opportunity to win the South and the Pac-12, specifically the South Division, appears to be a little bit on uh, on the downside, and Utah appears to be on the upside. Yeah. So the clear favorites to win the division. However, I will say that Chip Kelly did turn a bit of a corner last year as they started to play better towards the end even though the wins didn't 100% follow. But, Gordon, I'll tell you, when he got there, I don't know if, if Jim Kelly and the, or uh, if uh, Chip Kelly and uh, uh, Jim Mora, that's what I'm looking for, sorry, uh, if their idea of what good college football players were just didn't match. But Ch- uh, Chip did a lot of cleaning house and rebuilding last year, and it'll be interesting to see if it, uh, if it pays off. Yeah, it's almost like clipping back the, uh, the, the tree so it can grow healthy. I'm not much of a gardener. Or you can get rid of the leaves you don't want and add better leaves? Well, I don't think you just clip the leaves, do you? You actually prune prune the branches? Let's ask Wayne. Maybe he knows what he's doing in gardening. I I, I don't know. Wayne Cook joins us now, former UCLA quarterback, and uh, he reports on the sidelines. Wayne, was that the worst analogy you've ever heard? It was close. No, I'm kidding, guys. It was it was fantastic because you guys are talking about what most coaches feel they have to do when they when they come into a program. Although I will say this, Chip Kelly's first time through this when he became a head coach at Oregon, I believe they were a ten win team the year before. This time through, they were like a four win team. So, you know, there, there was a lot that needed to be changed. Uh, the program was going in the wrong direction. And, um, you know, we've seen it. I mean, there's, there's been, there's just been, a, whether it's players leaving, players medical retiring, you know, I'm sure there's some players that left disgruntled and whatever, but whatever was going on, uh, there needed to be a change. And that's not a, a knock on Jim Moore and his staff and what they did, but Chip Kelly felt like things, you know, needed to go a different direction. I think he's done a heck of a job. I think uh, the improvement that was seen at the end of the year, I mean, the record was terrible. That's not something that, that happens very often at UCLA, but the youth of the team and the, the growth of the team, especially late in the season, the last four or five games, showed me enough to be excited about what's coming. What specifically, Wayne, is the, is the strength of uh, your hope for UCLA's uh, progression? How much UCLA improved running the football? I think um, I've always felt this way, and I always will feel this way. I mean, the best teams I played on were teams that ran the ball well. Uh, you look at most great quarterbacks throughout the history of, of football, um, if you have a running game, and it, sometimes it's you, by the way, as a quarterback. Sometimes you're the running game, and maybe that'll happen this year with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Um, but with Joshua Kelly, the offensive line uh, improving and getting – plenty of talent back and adding some new talent uh, to the mix coming up. I, I just always think that 
you know, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Utah. I don't care if you're Oregon. I don't care if you're Washington and Stanford or USC. When those teams are at the top of the Pac-12, they're usually kicking your butt up front on both sides of the ball. And so for me, um, having an offensive line that's, that, that showed amazing improvement, um, a running game that showed amazing improvement, I, I think that's where I started. And then I'm hoping that the, the, the young guys on the defensive line, the Giants on the defensive line that were just true freshmen, just babies coming out of high school, are going to be that much bigger and that much stronger. And so I think in the trenches, I think that's where the difference is going to, is going to come from. Wayne Cook with us, 97.5 and uh, 12.80 The Zone. Hey, give us a, a couple of names of guys that maybe you expect big things from, maybe young guys who got that experience last year and will be leaned on this year. Uh, I think in the secondary, and I know we lose a Darius Pickett, but the guy that was playing next to him at safety, Quentin Lake, I, I think is obviously he's got great genetics from, from, from his father, Carnell Lake, who was a great UCLA player as well as a great, you know, NFL player, um, he just is this just athletic-looking, long, you know, you know, fairly tall safety. Kind of reminds me of what UCLA's had a great tradition of safeties, and I, I really like I like him on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think that it's something that you guys and I hope he stays healthy this year. I really like um, Kyle Phillips, the receiver that started off last year. He didn't get a chance to, to finish the season out and with the new redshirt rule. He didn't play more than four games, so he got the redshirt. I think he has a chance of being a really good receiver. I don't think enough people. I, I just mentioned the trenches, and I just mentioned you know all the, all the guys I like in the running game, and now I went straight to a safety and receivers. But it's because I don't think people are talking about them enough. I think the receiving core for UCLA, led by Theo Howard and then on through with Coda and uh, Felton, and and I just mentioned um, Phillips, I think they have a chance. Um, and, and there's more. They're, they're, they're pretty deep. They have a chance to be a really good unit in a Chip Kelly offense. And so when you mix in that running game with some receivers – uh, that can go out and be really, really good. I, I, I think that this offense has a chance to be pretty dynamic. You know, it's interesting that when you bring up the whole run game thing and the trenches, has the tag that's sort of been hung on UCLA a little bit about being a little soft, is that fair or is that just sort of they just haven't had good enough players? No, so so – Lately, it's been fair. I think historically, it's, it irritates me as much as anything. I mean, you look at any list that's made of the history of college football. I mean, I listened to the Pac-12 Network the other day, and they acted like the history of UCLA football is nothing, and we're a basketball school. Well, I bet you if you paid attention, we're like, it's SC and us, historically. I mean, it's, 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 we're, we're very good, historically. We're a top 20 program historically, if you look at all the lists, and I'm sure you guys follow Twitter, people put out lists all the time, but we're, and that's with really since 2000, we've been a fairly mediocre, and which is what stinks. I mean, that's almost two decades, right? But it's, it's right there. UCLA's put in everything possible. Uh, maybe it's the, the, the blue jerseys that people, people just love to hang that. We're soft. We're soft. I, well, I, I, there's a whole bunch of people that would disagree with that. UCLA's got a great history, uh, better than most in the Pac-12, 
And uh, it's just recently they've struggled. And we still had, when I say we've struggled, that doesn't mean that we haven't had a couple of 10-win seasons not that long ago with uh, with, with people like, you know, uh, Brett Hundley playing quarterback. And don't forget, you tell Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks that they're soft. You tell Miles Jack that he's soft. You think there's a lot of guys playing in the NFL that are, are far from soft. And so that, that label gets maybe thrown around. Um, and, and, and even sometimes by schools that we have winning records against, and I hear that a lot too. I mean, you can, you know, sit there and say, you know, if you're Washington State, oh, the UCLA, no. Look at, look at the history of our, of our programs. We're doing just fine. So I, I don't buy into that enough, and I, I, I love it when you guys bring this stuff up, though, because it makes me feel like it's, it's, it's football season right now. You feel, can you feel me getting a little yeah. defensive for my Bruins right now? I'm, I'm pumped. I'm ready for some excitement. Do you think, uh, as a former quarterback, what do you think of of Chip Kelly's usage of quarterbacks? And, you know, to Oregon, his quarterbacks up there, weren't they averaging like 500 yards rushing a year? And you've talked about the improved rushing game. Uh, yeah. will, the, will the quarterback be toting the ball? I, I hope so. If it's Well, you know, I shouldn't. I, I have to answer this question carefully because there are quarterback coaches – and there are coaches that exist that are system coaches. They just kind of implement whatever system they've always used, and they try to find players to fit that. I, 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 want, I don't want to sell Coach Kelly short. I, I think he is the type of person that understands football so well that he can create and adjust his system. I always bring up the Nick Foles year with, with Chip Kelly in the NFL where he was really, really good. I think that Chip Kelly can coach a drop-back quarterback. I mean, I think Wilton Spate would have had a very good year last year if he'd have stayed healthy the whole year. He was playing really good football at the end of the year when he came back. Um, so I don't think it matters if you're a runner or a thrower necessarily, but Wilton Spate also ran the ball. I think running opportunities are there. Um, and so I think he'll make that work. But if Dorian Thompson Robinson ends up winning the job, I do believe that he needs to use his legs. Not because I don't think he can throw the ball, but I think that you guys have watched enough football. When you have a mobile quarterback that can beat you with his arm and his legs, you know, like the Andrew Lux of the world, when you have a guy like that, and I'm not putting Dorian Thompson Robinson in that, air, in that, in that, you know, that, in that status, but if you have a quarterback that can beat you with your legs, that is so frustrating for a defensive coordinator. So I expect uh, UCLA to use this receiving core. I expect it to use Joshua Kelly and whoever they find to be that next back because he's going to need some help. And, and then they're going to use the quarterback's legs. And I think if they do all those things, I mean, watch out. They can do that, and the guys up front can hold their own blocking uh, in, the, in, the, in the run, you know, just blocking. This offense could be very, very good. It could be one of the best in the Pac-12. So, so I don't know if that answers your question. I expect Dorian to run, but if another quarterback ends up winning that's more of a drop-back quarterback, I think that Chip Kelly is smart enough to where the system can work with that as well. How much competition, Wayne, is Dorian Thompson-Robinson going to get? Um, you know, he'll get some. I, I think Austin Burton uh, had a very good spring, and you want that. I mean, you want, I mean, I remember when I played when I was playing quarterback. I mean, I wanted the backup quarterback to be good enough to push me, but I, I didn't want people questioning me either. So, you know, you, you want to create that divide, but it's it's good to have competition. And so, I think uh, Austin um, has done a good job. I know we're getting a, a transfer from Washington, but I'm pretty sure. Um, he's going to have to sit out uh, a year 
uh, before he can compete. But you know, it's it's. I think Dorian's probably going to win the job, but but Austin's been right there. He just keeps getting better and better. Now he's not as dynamic of a runner. He's a little bit taller. Um, I don't think his arms are strong either. Um, Dorian's got a real strong arm, you guys. He's sometimes I wish he'd throw the ball a little bit softer. He throws the ball a little hard uh, at, at receivers a little close to him, but he'll be pushed. I think. Uh, and, and if Coach Kelly doesn't like the way he's running the offense, you know, I, I think Austin will get a chance. But I fully expect it to be Dorian. So on Saturday, November sixteenth, the Bruins will be heading on up to play the Utes at Rice Eccles Stadium. Yep. How do you? What do you think about the Utes uh, and the way they match up against the Bruins this year? They've been getting an awful lot of praise from around the country. Yep. Yeah, one of one of my favorite trips, by the way. I love I love I love head, heading up there. I love it. it's a, it's a great stadium. It's a great town. It's a great football atmosphere. It's a great student section. Um, I think if if I'm a UCLA athlete, that's I didn't get to play at Utah when I was because obviously Utah wasn't in the Pac-12, but it's it's just such a fun environment and what that program has done is create a solid every year just you you know when you play utah you're gonna have to 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 come in and play and what's crazy about it is last year utah took that next step right you know they they took that next next step you know you win the south you know you get a chance to play for a pac-12 championship and so i think that this has been a, a a turning point in the history of utah football and to be able to hold on to your coach and not let other other schools come and poach him with with big time money i think has been key as well um because i think whittingham does such a good job um i'm excited about it i'm not going to tell you right now i'm I, I i'm seeing ucla improve quite a bit um i'm still curious about how how much they'll improve defensively um, and I agree that Utah should be probably the favorite uh, in the South. I still am not sure. I still think the North is the better of the two uh, divisions, but I, I think Utah probably should be the favorite. But I got to be honest with you guys, I don't think USC and UCLA are going to stay dormant forever. And those Arizona schools are, are, are going to have to start improving as well. And so I still think those two schools are probably at the bottom. But, but I expect USC and UCLA to make a jump and challenge Utah for for the South, uh, you know, this year. I think it'll probably come down to the last few games. So I imagine that game against Utah and UCLA will be a big one, just like they all are in the Pac-12. You know, the weird thing about that is the week after the Utes, uh, then the Bruins get the Trojans. <laughs> and so that's yep. that, that's uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that goes for, for yep. the Bruins. You know, you guys, and you know this, and I and I, I say this every opportunity I can get. The Pac-12 is not afraid to schedule people. And I know we have a few teams in our conference that have kind of gone the way of other schools where they, they don't schedule a whole lot of tough opponents in there. But, you know, I, I'm proud to say, and, and, and to be honest with you, sometimes I wonder if things don't change, if UCLA shouldn't change their ways. But, I mean, the schedules, the, the, I mean, UCLA plays Cincinnati, Oklahoma, and San Diego State. There's not a whole lot. Of, I mean, those are three quality programs before you even start the gauntlet that is the Pac-12. And so it's just, it's just tough. It's a tough go, especially when you're in a conference that plays, you know, nine conference games. And, you know, we, we could talk in, in circles about, you know, why is it that some of these other conferences only play eight and they don't play everybody and they rarely play the toughest team in their other divisions. And there's a lot of stuff like that going on. But the Pac-12, for as much heat as it's taken, 
definitely year in and year out across the conference play. Most of the teams play very, very difficult schedules. And um, I'm kind of proud of that. But at the same time, I know we kind of beat each other up. Wayne, thank you so much as always for coming on the show. It's always a pleasure. May have lost Wayne. Wayne Cook. That's uh, good. Wade's always good. And uh, he's excited about UCLA football. But uh, when you have a recruiting area like the Bruins do, he's right. How long are USC and UCLA going to stay in, in sort of that no man's land? Well, UCLA's been there a while. Yeah, so that's true. I, you know, Don't call him soft, though. Wayne comes punch Wayne in. Wayne <laughs> gets a little sensitive to that. I, I would say it's more likely for USC to bounce back. But Chip Kelly, I mean, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a great coach. He's a great college coach, and he knows how to build a team, and we'll see if he can pull it off at UCLA. But I don't know if that happens this year. Well, it was kind of rough going at times last year. They got better at the end. They did. They got better they at the end. But Dorian Thompson-Robinson, he's going to have to make a big step forward. Yes, there's that. And I, I still think that he talked about the improvement in the running game. Do you remember a couple of years ago when the Bruins couldn't run the football at all? Then they've had other years where they've been really good. So well, I, that'll be that'll be. It's always interesting when the L.A. teams come on up here to Rice-Eccles Stadium, and I'm sure the Utes. There's an off week for UCLA the week before, so uh, I'd have to check Utah's schedule to see what they have the week before. Do you know offhand? I don't. Uh, but uh, anyway, so the Bruins will have that advantage against the Utes. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utah Jazz just found their point guard. Conley gets it back from Temple. Open right wing three. Ring it up. Put three on the board. Wow. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and now Mike Conley. The NBA season can't get here soon enough. Your exclusive home for the Utah Jazz is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, we only have a couple minutes here, but should we try to get to the bottom of something that we brought up earlier? All right. So uh, I, I referenced a story from last week about how it's a it's a rumor or a scandal in Boston that Kyrie Irving maybe uh, called into a sports talk radio show to defend himself. He did. Now, Austin has unearthed something uh, for us. Now, I, I believe this is the station putting together back-to-back uh, voice clips so can we can we be the judge of this? Compare to yeah, see if this it really is the, the Zolik and Bertrand show All there right. in Boston. Let's All right. give it a listen. Having it out for him because I'm like I don't think the fans really had it out for Kyrie. Maybe not until the end, but All right. let's hear it. Let's go to uh, Mikey and Waltham. Mikey, Mikey. Hey, um, so I was just calling in saying that with such a rare talent like Kyrie, it's such a shame that the the fans didn't welcome welcome him in more. Um, talents like those are so rare they don't come by fast and I think it serves us right that now he's gone and look at what we're left with oh my god wow no that's him that's him. it's the inflection <laughs> that is him it's not just the voice it's the inflection and the way he talks I didn't I didn't catch that at all when it happened live 
Are you just as blown away as I am, Beetle? No, I'm not. I'm Beetle is, you are, that's not Kyrie Irving. Oh, yeah, that is. <laughs> What's the matter with no, you? So the is. end sounded like him. You want to hear the beginning again? Yeah. Is, is this Kyrie? Hey, um, so cadence? I was just calling in saying that. Yeah, it's the cadence. It sounds like Kyrie trying to disguise his it's voice It's the delivery. Bit. It's absolutely the delivery. <laughs> You can't hide that. You guys are Tom, put a side-by-side. You want to hear side-by-side, back and forth? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we do, is it Kyrie on the phone or just Kyrie speaking? Nope, Kyrie speaking. All right. With such a rare talent like Kyrie. And then you start figuring out what is important to you off the floor. It's such a shame that the the fans didn't welcome welcome him in more. It'll it'll be... uh, an unbelievable experience to, for something new. Um, towns like those are so rare, they don't come by fast. Oh, it's him. That's him. Still no, that's him. You know, get the maximum potential out of who you have on the floor. Hmm. I don't know. That sounds a lot the same to me. No, it's Mikey. <laughs> sounds the same to me. Uh, can, can come up with something better than Mikey. Inconclusive. You're going inconclusive? Yeah. All right. Maybe. I'm telling you, some of these NBA players are thin-skinned. It wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that were Kyrie Irving. I mean, Kevin Durant made up uh, phony Twitter accounts to, yeah. to uh, respond to trolls. Now, a guy like Rudy Gobert, Gobert couldn't do that. It'd be tough with the accent. Yeah. That would be, let's go to Pierre from West Valley. <laughs> that, would be, that, would, that would be a little bit more difficult. Jacques from... Uh, uh, from South Salt Lake, what's going on, Jock? That would be a little bit, a uh, little bit more difficult. That does sound pick, similar, could you though. Pick out Donovan Mitchell's voice if he tried to uh, see disguise it. I would. I want to say yes because we spent so much time listening to tape and talking to these guys that that I would hope I'd be able to. These guys were on that pretty quick, and imagine we'd probably. <laughs> If if uh, if Donovan called in, we probably could sniff that. Can out. Can you tell? Is this Rudy? K S C K vous amez le plus de jeux pour Quinn Snyder? Sounds a lot like him, doesn't it? I don't know. It's either Rudy or Rudy. I don't know. That's got to be Rudy. Somewhere out there, somebody who actually speaks French is just. <laughs> beside themselves i got better at it that was an early version no that's the best you did (laughs) you didn't get better that's not the word i didn't no Uh, okay now Uh, if it were dirk Nowitzki who wrote something in german you'd be good to go if it was about being in the same soup (laughs) i'd be a little a little better at that all right stay tuned we'll have more big show straight ahead 97.5 and 1280 the zone Qu'est ce que vous aimez le plus de jouer pour Quinn Snyder? Qu'est-ce que vous aimez le plus de jouer pour? Wrapping up a big show, 97.5, 1280 of The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, hanging out with you on a Monday. And Gordon, uh, today's been kind of a, a tough one to get through, but uh, thanks to uh, uh, our listeners and you and Austin, and uh, we've gotten through this one today. Yeah, our good friend uh, Will Smith passed away over the weekend, and those of you who are longtime listeners have heard Will. He produced our show back in the day, he did. Jake, and he helped with other shows. 
and uh, was just a terrific, terrific guy. So uh, we have done the show today with heavy heart. Yeah, it, it certainly has been. And, uh, you know, one of the things I really like about uh, this job and sports in general is it's it's a good distraction. And it's, it's a way sometimes to to uh, distract yourself from how hard things can be sometimes. And that's that's what I needed today, Gordon. I, I don't know about you, but I, I needed a little bit of distraction today and yucking it up and uh, disagreeing with everything you say helped me today. So I yeah, appreciate well, that. Good. I'm glad it could be some sort of therapy for you. But uh, our hearts are with you, Will. And with your family, no doubt about it. Uh, hearts with the uh, the Smith family, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad we were we were able to do the show today. It was, uh, or as you called him, Young William. I did call him Young William. That was my nickname for him. And uh, yeah, we're we're certainly going to to miss Will. But uh, we do want to say thanks to all our listeners out there that uh, interacted with us today. We want to say thanks to Eric Pincus who joined us, Wayne Cook who was on the show. Thanks to Austin, executive producer of the Big Show. Fine work, Austin is usual and gordon uh, today and every day thank you my friend thanks jake appreciate it thanks austin and uh many many thanks heartfelt thanks to our listeners we do appreciate you we'll talk to you tomorrow on a big show 97.5 and 1280 the zone